Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. This is not a peaceful protest. And the mandates and the restrictions so the protesters can get back to their lives. Signs from Moscow that uh, diplomacy should continue. Step back from the brink, stop preparing for war, and start working for a peaceful solution. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Tom, Betty, and Clark. Lots to talk about this hour. Unfortunately, we have to uh, bring you this news, which we uh, talked about briefly yesterday. The names were released this afternoon of the eight passengers, well, uh, seven passengers in the pilot of that plane that crashed off Carteret County on Sunday afternoon. Um, the eight were Ernest Durwood Rawls, 67, of Greenville. He was the pilot. His son, Jeffrey Worthington Rawls, 28, of Greenville. Stephanie Ann McGinnis Fulcher, 42, of Sea Level, North Carolina. Jonathan Cole Mc, um, McGinnis, 15, of Sea Level. Douglas Hunter Parks, 45, of Sea Level. Noah Lee Styron, 15, of Cedar Island, North Carolina. Michael Daly Shepard, 15, of Atlantic, North Carolina and Jacob Nolan Taylor, 16, of Atlantic, North Carolina. The group was returning from a trip, hunting trip in Hyde County, apparently a one-day trip up and back. They were going to land in Beaufort uh, Sunday afternoon, according to the Carteret County Sheriff's Office. Crews continued to search into Tuesday after the Coast Guard cutter Richard Snyder stayed at the crash site overnight. Uh, that followed a full day of searches on Monday after at least three debris fields were located about four miles east of the Drum Inlet in Carteret County. Uh, Sheriff Asa Buck said in a press conference yesterday uh, evening. Buck also said one body was recovered Sunday but did not release that person's name. Now, um, Benny and I were talking before the program, and um, it's your under this has not been verified yet, but it's your understanding that they have found the fuselage. Yeah, the press conference, uh, I guess it's about 4.30, Sheriff Asa Buck said the fuselage had been found and also um, some some bodies, and they would not say how many of the eight bodies that have been recovered. WRAL is reporting that the uh, medical examiner's office has been called in to identify the bodies. They'll do DNA testing. I, and, and again, depending on how severe the wreck was, I uh, don't know how in, in, intact the fuselage was, but um, not to get graphic on there, but if if, if it's, uh, you know, a horrendous wreck, it could be that um, you're not going to be able to easily identify uh, the individuals. But uh, it does seem to me, though, I mean, just speculating here that if they found the fuselage, chances are they have found at least some of the bodies within the fuselage. And he said at the press conference it was in, uh, I think, about, three miles out uh, and 55 feet of water. The, um, so they have found the fuselage, but they have not brought it to the service yet? Was that your understanding? No, that's what, yeah, that's what I understand. Okay. Uh, this afternoon they were still recovering uh, bodies and equipment. So, uh, again, uh, you know, at this point, uh, say a prayer for the families involved and uh, – you know, time over time, will you know, there's a lot of speculation, and I'm not going to speculate as to uh, what happened, but uh, hopefully they'll be able to find the uh, what is equivalent to the black box of the uh, airplane 
and uh, no, I guess it is called a black box, and uh, find out exactly what happened, or at least get an idea to what happened. But it, it I mean, and uh, this is not speculation. The flight path of the airplane shortly before it went down was very erratic in terms of the uh, ele- elevation of the airplane and just the path it was taking. And apparently now Sunday afternoon when it went down, the weather was a little dicey. So uh, it could be that uh, the weather could have something to do with it. Now, <laughs> that is speculation. But the flight path was erratic. Yeah, I, I look backwards at that uh at the flight path and at the time on Sunday, and uh, there was some weather just off uh, the coast in the Outer Banks, just in uh, and at their altitude, it was uh, you know colder and moisture. Don't know if it was the icing situation or not, but it was colder. It was cold. Now uh, at that altitude, I believe I, the temperature it, was. Um, yeah, you're, you're higher was, up. It, it was near. Been, fr- it was near freezing yeah. from the reports I looked yeah. at. Anyway, we'll we'll uh, keep you posted. A number of media outlets are reporting today that uh, Putin says, of course, Russia doesn't want war. Ukraine says, OK, well, we'll believe it when we see your withdrawal. Russian President Vladimir Putin said, of course, Russia does not want war in Europe. However, he did repeat that the West should take his supposed security concerns seriously and they need to be addressed. Putin was speaking in Moscow after meeting with German's Chancellor Olaf Scholz, regarding ongoing tensions between Russia and Ukraine. The two also clashed over whether there was a precedent for war in Europe. Putin claimed that in the 1990s, conflict with the former Yugoslavia was carried out by NATO without the approval of the United Nations Security Council. However, Scholz said that this was not a relevant comparison, as there were real concerns that genocide could occur. Putin then argued that this was occurring in Ukraine's Donbass region with uh, the Russian president claiming that a genocide is being carried out against ethnic Russians. Later, the German chancellor told journalists that Putin was wrong to use the word genocide in this case. This meeting is the latest in a series of discussions between Putin and Western leaders and comes as the Russian military has claimed that some troops have been withdrawn from the border of Ukraine. Um, it sounds to me, though, from what the Ukrainian defense minister was saying, okay, um, our rule is don't believe what you hear, believe what you see. When we see a withdrawal, we will believe in de-escalation. So now, whether or not the stock market, which has been a proverbial yo-yo for the last 30, 45 days, uh, whether or not the stock market has uh, is is reflected on whether or not the the uh, Russians are pulling back. The stock market had a big up day. I think the Dow was up some 400 points. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, mixed signals. I I don't know. If this is anything to to get up and cheer about. But again, th- this whole thing is. Um, I, I mean, I know a lot of people are praying for peace in Ukraine, and it sounds like what we were talking about last week that the Ukrainians are fighters. And, I mean, there's been stories out about great-grandmothers who are (laughs) learning to shoot weapons. And uh, it sounds like they're going to dig in. And uh, if if it comes to war, they're not going to quickly surrender. But, again, I, I, I go back to what I've been saying the last couple of days. 
you hear what the Biden administration says, and you still have to ask yourself, can you trust anything that comes out of this Biden administration? You know, it's a lot of speculation is if, you know, Putin is really trying Biden, testing Biden because of, you know, yeah. hey, what happened in Afghanistan? I mean, any any sane person can listen to Biden speak and know he's not there. He's not all there. I mean, that's just I mean, that's not being cruel. That's just being factual. But I, I honestly think it's just that Putin may see it as an opportunity to me to, um, you know, once and for all, get Ukraine to say, hey, we promise we'll sign an agreement to not ever join NATO. That's I mean, well, that's what he wants. He yeah. wants to make sure Ukraine is not a part of NATO because at that point, I mean, when you have a NATO alliance, if one is attacked, all defend. Hmm. And uh, the fact that he doesn't want them to be in NATO um, is a little alarming, too. So, okay, why do you not want them to be a part of NATO? I mean, do you ultimately want to have Ukraine back under mm-hmm. the Soviet Union? Oh, I mean, they definitely, I mean, you know, Putin is a Soviet Union former KGB yeah, guy. Yeah. I mean, he believes in the, the old the Soviet Union, the old guard and what it was all about. But he's also smart enough to know that, you know, Russia cannot fight a war very long. I mean, they, they don't have an economy. They have oil. That is their overwhelmingly number one export. They don't export anything else except locally in the region, oil and, and then, you know, minerals and things like they don't export products because their products stink. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. I mean, it's it's a, it's laughable. It's still, uh, I mean, we're 30-plus years out of the Soviet Union, but it's, um, it's a long way from being a free capitalistic economy where, you know, innovation and things like that can take place. Uh, he knows better now. He can't afford it. The uh, Wall Street Journal came out today and said that still there appears, according to the Wall Street Journal, to be more than 120,000 troops on the border of Ukraine. So if there's been any kind of pullback and there's 120,000 troops still there, it's been fairly mild in terms of the pullback. A number of media outlets are also reporting, including Town Hall, producer price index, prices dropped Nine points, uh, I'm sorry, not dropped, jumped. <laughs> Don't want to get that wrong. Jumped 9.7% in the last 12 months. So that is what manufacturers pay for, you know, lumber, steel, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of things to make their final product. So those costs have gone up 9.7% over the last 12 months. The producer price in- index, again, a gauge of uh, what, what's paid for the goods to make the final products, and that means an increase in nearly 10% of what it costs manufacturers to produce the goods. Now, it, it sounds like some manufacturers are trying to absorb some of that cost. But, uh, you know, it was just reported that um, the consumers end up paying 7.5% more from a, from a year ago. Um, but uh, the latest report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics follows last year last week's 40-year high for the consumer prices that grew at the fastest rate for one year since 1982. Uh, a spike in producer prices that doubled economist estimations also undermines the less narrative that rising prices are caused solely by greedy companies. Uh, no, it's not by greedy companies. The cost of everything is going up. Uh, up. For context on how hot inflation is running right now, the average 
for year-over-year inflation before the pandemic or Biden took office was 1.5%. Now consumers are paying 7.5% more than they were last year, and producers are paying 9.7% more to make their products. Now, Biden's response to this is, well, you need to pass Build Back Better. (laughs) That will stop inflation. Uh, Yeah, right, Joe. Oh, boy. I mean, all that's going to do is cause more inflation. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, we certainly don't make predictions. Certainly we don't make predictions for people that need to go out and do anything based on our predictions. But food price, I mean, people know what food prices are right now if they go to the market. But I'm just telling you, in the future, um, talking to, you know, farmers now, their input calls for the upcoming growing season are up dramatically. And so, you know, those input costs – I have not made it to the grocery store shelves yet, so I, I don't think food is uh, anywhere close to where it went. Well, and it's accelerating. Yeah. So for for the year, it's 9.1, uh, 9.7%. For January alone, it was 1%. So, I mean, you annualize just January's, you're looking at a 12% inflation rate. So, uh, yeah, you're right. And if you're... Uh, out buying stuff on a regular basis, you're seeing it go up on a regular basis. So you might want to dig up that grass and plant a garden. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> uh, you Eat wiser. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to uh, people eating out. I, so far, I mean, just a, as a casual observer, it, it seems like the restaurants are – I don't eat out a lot, but just at a glance, it seems like the restaurants are still pretty full. Mm-hmm. But well, uh, people are cooped up for so long, but the prices, the prices have, have increased, and and they have to increase them, you know, weekly basically. This is interesting. North State Journal is reporting that former Vice President Mike Pence is making yet another visit to South Carolina, giving a commencement address at a Christian university. Um, Of course, South Carolina is one of the early voting states where Republican candidates often aim to drum up support amongst white evangelical voters. Columbia International University said Pence will speak to graduates on April the 30th. Columbia is headed by Mark Smith, who has a relationship with Pence dating back to when Pence was a uh, House member. And uh, Smith once lived in Indiana and served as vice president for the audit and graduate studies at Indiana Wesleyan University. In a piece posted to Columbia's website after Smith attended a 2018 Faith Leaders Dinner hosted by Pence, the educator called him a deep man of faith who will give all to fight for traditional family values. I believe that about Pence. Um, What uh, Pence is doing, though, Pence has been wrapping up his visits to South Carolina, which holds its first presidential primaries in the South, Candidates of both major parties typically spend time in the state more than a year before those votes take place, introducing them, trying to secure support. The graduation is just a week before Pence's keynote address at a fundraiser dinner for Carolina Pregnancy Center in Spartanburg. Um, Nearly a year ago, Pence chose the fundraiser of another conservative Christian nonprofit in South Carolina, for his per- first public address since he left um, the White House with uh, Trump. I, it, 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 now, three times in South Carolina, I, I'm not going to build a big, strong case that this means that Mike Pence has his eye on the White House. But you have to ask yourself, does Mike Pence have his eyes on the White House? 
Well, you know, the fact that um, Nikki Haley's in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe Nikki Haley does, and she's already picked his her running mate. <laughs> I can't see Mike Pence is running as a vice president again. You know, I can't either, but, you know. And i be honest with you, I like Mike Pence a lot and what uh, this guy Mark Smith said about him fighting for traditional family values, a deep man of faith. I think that is correct. I mean, I don't know the guy personally, obviously, but everything that I've heard about or read about him and I've heard him give speeches, uh, it, it, it seems like he is a genuine conservative in, in that regard. I just don't see him having the fire in the belly that is going to be needed to take on the Democrats. No. And He's to, too nice a guy. Yeah, I mean, isn't that sad that you say mm-hmm. that? But I think you're right. I think he's too nice of a guy. I don't I don't see – I think he's a true conservative, but I don't see him as the fighter that we need in the White House. Well, the tr- three trips to South Carolina makes – you know, it does make you wonder if it was three different places you wouldn't think anything about it because, right. you know, Mike Pence looking at, you know – Financial disclosures are out there. I mean, you, the guy's not a wealthy guy. I he's mean, probably but, on the speaking tour. Yeah, tour. so he's on the yeah. speaking tour, and he's taking advantage. The further you get away, if you're if you're not going to run and get on a ticket or go back in the higher office, the further you get away from when you were in office, <laughs> the least valuable you are. So, right, he may just be taking advantage of the, you know, the, make, the making a buck or circuit. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, I like Mike Pence. Got a good agent. I thought I thought he was a uh, good vice president. He was a loyal soldier to donald trump and um i thought he was a good vice president but i don't see him as president yeah i don't either five six one eight two five five if you want to chime in but right now we're gonna take a time out stay with us much more to come we'll be right back As Russia pushes for more talks. It remains unclear which path Russia will choose to take. And NATO keeps a close eye on all. The U.S. is ready for any situation. He intends to recreate the old Soviet Union. What happens next? It could begin this week. Happens here. We will continue to provide an ongoing Ukrainian resistance. The path for diplomacy remains available. This could turn into a military quagmire for him. Decode the day's news with Tom and Betty on Talk. 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back again. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast tonight. Mostly clear, low around 28. Tomorrow, sunny, high near 63. Tomorrow night, a low around 45 with partly cloudy skies. Thursday, partly sunny and high near 73. Showers come in overnight on Thursday night into Friday morning, but it looks like it'll clear out by the afternoon. Uh, high on Friday, about 68 degrees. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Warmer weather is right around the corner, and what a better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row, Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees and wants you to join in the fun and become a member today. Not a golfer? Ironwood's new social membership includes access to their competition-sized swimming pool, clay surface tennis courts, and member-only full-service restaurant, for more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. Uh, don't fall out of your seat laughing when you hear this next story from Politico. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Queen Nancy, said that the idea of defunding the police, a frequently used slogan during the 2020 elections, is not the direction that the Democrat Party is headed. Make, quote, make no mistake, 
Community safety is our responsibility, Pelosi said on ABC's This Week. I quote one of my colleagues from New York, Richie Torres, a brand new member of Congress, way on the left, saying that defund the police is dead. That causes a concern with few in our caucus, but public safety is our responsibility. So the only thing this means is Nancy can read the polling. That's all that this means. George Steffi Stephanopoulos noted that rising crime was a major concern of Americans these days and cited division within the party on law enforcement, referring to Cori Bush, one of the squad, as someone backing the idea of defunding the police. Quote, that's not the position of the Democrat Party. With all due respect to Cori Bush, Pelosi said, community safety to protect and defend in every way is our oath of office. Now, who is she kidding here? I mean, who is actually calling the shots? Now, I don't know where it is right now because the far-left progressives, I think, have lost credibility. And now they're saying, you know, just absurd things. Well, they've always said absurd things. But now they're, people are starting, even, even the Democrats are starting to roll their eyes at them. But how long did Pelosi and others in the Democratic leadership basically kiss the butts of the squad? Oh, yeah. Whether Nancy Pelosi or or anyone in the Democrat Party likes it or not, the face of the party now is AOC and the squad. Yeah. I mean, that that is the facts. And and the president. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah. That's not an appropriate question for you to ask. But, you know, if you listen to the face of the party, I mean, really, I think AOC is the face of the party. I mean, mean, that might sound funny, but I think— but look who's look who gets the most attention. Yeah. I mean, she speaks the loudest, and she gets the most attention. Yeah. And AOC just within the last what couple of days, basically said, "Hey, the crime result is the fact that Republicans wouldn't sign off on the child tax credit yep. for extending it, so the people are going out and stealing baby formula." That's yeah. That's I, I mean, did exactly you hear that? what she said. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what she said. I you know apologize to our progressive listeners that listen to us. But if you listen to anything that comes out of AOC's mouth, to use the president's term, you're a stupid SOB. <laughs> I mean, she is a nut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but, I digress. No, no, no. I, you know, it's interesting because you, you've got to ask yourself, is, is she a narcissist? And is, does she just want to be in the news? Um, did she start out as someone that was a – um, a useful idiot that uh, really believed as, as, you know, I mean, what's you know, the old saying, you know, if you're 20 and you're not a liberal, you have no heart. If you're 40 and you're not a conservative, you had no brain. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to figure out AOC, but um, she's, she's out there. But, you know, it's interesting. What do we have music on in the background for? Yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I, I didn't know if you were bringing in some bumper music to take a break or. Yeah, you're always so good at that. I figured it was something something that was relevant to AOC. No, well, back to your AOC thing. I mean, I honestly think it's all about money with her. I I, I truly think she knows that she's a mental lightweight. She she knows. Oh, and and she's been fed money by the left. And um, what the first year or so maybe a couple of years uh well she hadn't has she been reelected? she's been re-elected. once yeah, yeah once think, yeah. yeah the the first year and a half or so of her term and prior and getting elected you know she was supported by 
some tech guy from Silicon Valley that's, you know, an activist. He's loaded with money and a bright guy. I mean, he was like her chief advisor. Right. And he's no longer there. And I mean, not that she said anything that, that was too bright to begin with, but the, it gets worse ever since he has, has nothing to do with her. So I think she's just smart enough to say, hey, you know, pretty soon it's, this is going to run out, and these stupid networks like MSNBC or CNN will say, hey, we'll sign this deal to come sit on a oh, talk yeah. show yeah. And, and get you know, a $15 million contract or something. Um, and she realizes that's better than serving uh, overpriced drinks in Manhattan. Anyway, the, the, I mean, Nancy Pelosi is laughable. Yeah, she's an idiot. Dallas Woodhouse has come out with a uh, sort of a recap of some more of the details concerning the Supreme Court throwing out those election maps. Ten days after throwing out North Carolina's newly drawn congressional and legislative election maps, the state Supreme Court has produced its formal opinion in the case Quote, today we answer this question, does our state constitution recognize that people of the state have the power to choose who's to govern us by giving each of us an equally powerful voice through our vote? Asked Robin Hudson, the opening of her 138 opinion piece. Or does our constitution give to the members of the General Assembly, as they argue here, unlimited power to draw electoral maps to keep themselves and our members of Congress in office as long as they want, regardless of the will of the people. Well, it's the will of the people when they elect the members of the state legislature. It's a, it, that, you know, we have a representative government. We don't live under a mob rule democracy. Mm-hmm. It's a representative form of government. So when the people of Eastern North Carolina decide, I like Keith Kidwell, I want him to represent me, and they send Keith Kidwell up to Raleigh to represent them, and as well as other state senators and state uh, House members, they go to Raleigh. It's a representative form of government. Why Why do the Democrats on the North Carolina Supreme Court, how can they be that ignorant now, I, I, granted, I, I realize they're saying, Tom, what are you talking about? You know. Partisan, they're partisan hacks. <laughs> yeah, they're partisan hacks, exactly. <laughs> they, they know the rules, but they're partisan hacks. Um, quote, we hold that claims of partisan gerrymandering are justicable under the North Carolina Constitution, Houston wrote, although the primary responsibility for redistricting is constitutionally delegated to the General Assembly, this is not a delegation of unlimited power. The exercise of this power is subject to restrictions imposed by other constitutional provisions, including the Declaration of Rights. Claims of partisan gerrymandering can be carefully discerned and governed by manageable judicial standards. One wonders, is that a fancy way of saying Democrats can do it, but Republicans can't? Yeah, exactly. Um, the Democrat justices' findings lead to a conclusion. We hold that the General Assembly's 2021 enacted plans are partisan gerrymanders that, or, uh, that on the basis of partisan affiliation substantially infringe upon plaintiff's fundamental right to equal voting power. So apparently Obama was wrong. Elections do not have consequences when the Democrats are in charge. Um, of course, uh, Michael Morgan and Anita Earls added a two-page concurrence. But I thought what was really well um, written was Chief Justice Paul Newby's 
writing for the three Republicans in their dissent, with this decision unguided by the constitutional text, four members of this court become policymakers. They wade into the political waters by mandating their approach to redistricting. They change the time-honored meaning of various portions of our Constitution by inserting their interpretation to reach their desired outcome. Yeah, that's what Democrats do. Mm. They take the Constitution and say, oh, it doesn't mean what it says. It means what we think it says. Yeah, this is what it really means. They justify this activism because their understanding of certain constitutional provisions has evolved over time. It's a living document. (laughs) They lament that the people have not placed a provision in our Constitution for a citizen referendum and use the absence of such a provision to justify their judicial activism to amend our Constitution. The majority says courts must protect constitutional rights. This is true. Courts are not, however, to judicially amend the Constitution to create those rights. In its analysis, the majority misstates the history, the case law of this court, and the meaning of various portions of our Declaration of Rights. In its remedy, the majority replaces established principles with ambiguity, I'll get it out, basically saying that justices and judges alone know which redistricting plan will be constitutional and accepted by this court based on analysis by political scientists. This approach ensures that the majority now has and indefinitely retains the redistricting authority, thereby enforcing its policy preferences. Generally, the majority takes a sweeping brush and enacts its own policy preferences of achieving statewide proportionality as determined by political science and approved by judges. While mentioning traditional neutral redistricting criteria, its primary focus is instead on the final partisanship analysis to achieve statewide parity. The 217 pages of contrasting legal arguments arrived as the General Assembly worked to adopt new election maps by Friday. The Supreme Court set that date as a deadline for submission to new maps to a three-judge panel overseeing the redistricting. Um, Again... Regardless of what happens, you know, they'll bring forth something that will probably satisfy the Democrats. And when the Democrats in the legislature, you know, Dan Blue and others, and as soon as Josh Stein signs off on it, the Supreme Court will say, oh, okay, we got our orders from the uh, upper folks and over at the governor's mansion and over at the uh, Democratic Party. So we'll go ahead and approve these maps. And again, come, ne- come November... If Republicans end up with a majority in the North Carolina Supreme Court, you'll see this case go back. And there will be some maps close to what was originally submitted by the state legislature prior to the uh, Supreme Court decision. Something similar to that will will come forth as a result. I, I read over last night the um, – I think it came out last night. Didn't it come out yesterday, the Supreme Court um, – Oh, with the uh, the NAACP uh, case. Well, no, the, this when they released the, their full oh, this, their full opinion. Did it come it out? Came last, out in the last twenty four hours. Yeah, right? and um, you know, Justice Hudson, uh, it's, it's amazing to me just in reading through it, the the partisan slant, and it's like, I, I yeah, I've, I've read opinions from her before. I don't think she is that slanted, and it's just to me. These Democrat justices have just been—they've just been gotten to by by money, by people mm-hmm. that support them, and then the you know the uh, 
the new justice, the Nita Earls, I mean, it was obvious why she was there. And just, just the arguments to me just don't don't hold any constitutional order at all. I mean, I know that sounds like, hey, what the hell do you know about the Constitution? And you're well, not the an Constitution attorney. Constitution is is black and white. Well, it's I pretty mean, black it's, and white. It's, it's yeah. self-evident. I mean, when when they start, I mean, they are saying that hey, the Democrats are a protected class of people, and by God, you just didn't give us enough debt. I mean, yeah. that's what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, that's their only <laughs> argument. Exactly. Right. Now, and, you, and and they're not protecting a group of people based on their their race they're, they're protecting a group of people based on their political affiliation yeah as the whole saying goes you can put you can put lipstick on the pig all you want but it's still a pig and they're in their argument it's a pig it's a pig for yep. the for the democrat party bingo hey we got to take another time out stay with us much more to come including what's going on with the truckers up in canada we'll be right back Join the show. 252-561-TALK. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Just looking at an article here on uh, Just the News, which is uh, John Solomon's website. Dr. Robert Malone, you know, he was one of the speakers up there in Washington a couple of weeks ago when they had the uh, anti-mandate rally, which a bunch of people showed up for that. That was really a good rally. That's also one of the... uh, speakers was uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. But Dr. Malone, who is very well versed, um, he's come out and said COVID-19 mask mandates were never necessary. We've known how to cure COVID since about March of 2020. Uh, He told Just the News, uh, the sudden scramble two years later by Democrat governors to lift mask mandates is a clear pivot consequent to their horrible polling numbers. We've been saying that for the last couple of weeks. It's exactly what I predicted when people were asking me, how will we know when this thing is over? I've said, well, you know, because they'll all start giving awards to each other and claiming that they're the ones that are responsible for carrying it. We've also said that. (laughs) Malone also discussed explosive new data from the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database regarding possible COVID vaccine side effects, which three military medical whistleblowers recently came forward. Um, Interesting uh, comment um, from Malone. He said, and please note that neither Dr. Fauci nor Dr. Collins nor Dr. Lane have any formal training in epidemiology. Uh, Malone also reacted to the news that the South African doctor who discovered the Omicron variant says she was pressured not to call the new COVID variant a mild illness in public. So what we're looking at, he said, is really quite shocking. It runs across all healthcare. It runs all the way through health and human services. It runs all across the Western nations. There seemed to be some odd collusion that there's been, um, and that there's been focus on amplifying the fear and suppressing any counter narrative. I'm telling you, it's all about the money and yeah. authority. And do, you know, Doctor Malone. I mean, he's just not any doctor. I mean, he was one of the pioneers of the mRNA yeah. vaccine uh, yeah. technology, and so I mean, he's yeah, he's not just a critic. He yeah. was one of the guys that came up with the technology, and he's saying, "Don't go there." Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to the phones. We have Randy from Greenville on the line. Hi, Randy. Hey, Randy. Hey, guys. This is uh, you know what y'all referring to at the. Supreme Court justices of North Carolina really makes uh, hits the point home for the Republican Party to make sure that they really uh, show the differences between a constitutional candidate 
that knows the Constitution and will stand up for it versus the Democrats, because the Democrats will not, obviously. Right. Well, you know, I think by and large, uh, when they vote, uh, so many people will go into the polling place and they know that if they vote for the Republican, they're probably going to get more uh, law and order justice uh, on the Supreme Court. Now, the last election, I think, was the first election in some time where there was an R or a D next to the uh, judicial candidates. In North Carolina. In North Carolina. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure how many of the Democrats that are currently on there, because how long is their their term is what? uh, Four-year term, I think. Is it four years? I think that's right. But but again, I was thinking it was a little longer for that in the Supreme Court. But um, uh, some of the ones that are up there on the Democrat side— probably were elected prior to the RD being up there. But yeah, you're right. I mean, of, all, of we can do all we want, but as the Democrats have done in the United States Supreme Court for decades, they will legislate from the uh, judicial branch. Uh, you're right, Tom. It's eight-year Eight-year term. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, good point, Randy. We, we got to... We... we, we, we and that's the other thing that Republicans have never done well is they have never, I'd say never, but they, they don't have the communication skills that they need. They, they need more Ronald Reagans. And I'll be honest with you, I know he was caustic, but Donald Trump could get his message to the voter and bypass the media. He did. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I've been critical of the Republicans, particularly in North Carolina, about not focusing on the Supreme Court and and the in the bench elections, but they did this time. You know, we had um, Michael Newby, Wa- Michael yeah. Watley, uh, yeah, chairman a couple of weeks the, ago, a couple yeah. weeks ago, and they they made a they definitely made a concentrated effort last election, and I think uh, this next election, with, I mean, uh, only people that just live in echo chambers will believe what's coming out of the North Carolina Supreme Court on the Democrat side. Um, it, I mean, mo- I think independents can look at this and say, oh, yeah. oh, that's a I stretch. That's a political stretch. I, mean, I would hope. Yeah. Um, and But at, to your point, the Republicans always, and maybe it was Randy's point, you know, they look for constitutional conservatives, co- conservatives from the standpoint of the er- interpretation of the Constitution versus, you know, conservative principles, moral principles or whatever. But you, you look and, and, it's you know, hey, just look at history. The Democrats on a federal level, particular North Carolina is no different. They have a history in in the last eight to 16 years, especially of, I mean, they appoint and they put on the ballot activists, activists for oh, yeah. one particular thing and not of the constitution. Just look at, uh, Anita Earl. Yeah. Anita <laughs> Earl's. And then at the federal level, just look at president Obama's appointments. I mean, those, those people, uh, Kagan and, um, Sotomayor and, uh, was, was that his only two? Is that right? For Obama? Yeah. I think that's I think right. that's correct. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, they were, they were progressive activists yes. for specific causes, and uh, it sure wasn't the Constitution yeah. as it's written. North of the border, we got to take another timeout, don't we? We'll take a timeout. We come back. We'll talk about what the truckers are doing. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. North of the border, Ottawa's chief of police resigned today amid criticism of his handling of protests that have overwhelmed downtown Ottawa. 
Multiple Canadian news outlets and the Ottawa City uh, Councillor reported Tuesday that Ottawa, Ottawa Police Chief Peter Soli resigned his commission and plans to announce his resignation later today. Um, you know, it's, the interesting thing is, and I mean, he's basically saying, I, I can't do anything. Uh, nothing I do is getting rid of the truckers. And by the way, um, the truckers have doubled down. The, you know, um, Trudeau has come out and said he's going to use this Emergencies Act, which some individuals, the equivalent of, I guess, the ACLU, but it's not as liberal as the ACLU, is up there and saying, wait a minute, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, you have to jump through certain hoops before you can use the Emergencies Act, and uh, you haven't jumped through those hoops. So there's some question as to whether Justin Trudeau can even implement the Emergencies Act. But uh, the truckers up there have just said, you know what, you keep doing this, and that just makes us, that verifies why we are having this convoy. Why are we having this protest? You aren't making us feel any better about you. You're <laughs> and listen, and, 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 and Trudeau is an authoritarian. Mm -hmm. He comes across as Mr. Nice Guy. You know, he, he tries to be young and cool and whatever, hip. But he's an authoritarian. He's, he's ruling with an iron fist. I mean, he and Fidel Castro... <laughs> Somebody sent me a well. Let me put it this way: Fidel Castro, uh, we don't think is in his bloodline, but he might be. But um, <laughs> if if Trudeau, I mean, the, the the smartest thing he could do, and and by the way, his popularity stinks. Mm. New polling right now. I mean, he's he's got worse polling than than uh, Biden's got. The latest Maru poll conducted February 9th through the tenth shows that only 16% of Canadians would vote for the prime minister based on the last two weeks. <laughs> Good. 16%. But if Trudeau would be smart enough to go out and say, you know what, I want to meet with the leadership of the truckers. You send us um, five of your representatives, and I want to invite you into the uh, prime minister's residence, and we'll have a meeting. And look, we're not going to invite the press. It'll just be you and I. And... Um, meet with him for a few hours, give him some lunch, and then come out after the meeting and you know, immediately after the meeting or six hours later or whatever and said, we've had a great meeting. We've talked to the truckers. We've gotten new insight to what their concerns are, and I think they have some validity. That plus the fact that the COVID cases are dropping so fast. You know what? Let's let bygones be bygones. I'm going to lift the mandate. We're going to uh, get back to normal he would be a hero. Oh, yeah. And he would be a hero <laughs> by all sectors of, of the Canadian um, citizenry. I mean, and, and what is he doing? He's doubling down and, and getting e even more authoritarian. I mean, they're talking about freezing these guys' bank accounts and things they such have. as that. I mean, that's just crazy. And, you know, there's nothing in Justin Trudeau's resume that says that he could ever handle anything like this. I mean, he, he's a political, he's from a political dynasty family, which I never just, had a real job, never had a real job. His dad was prime minister. Uh, he didn't have anything in his background to handle anything like this, but, and he's handled it obviously pretty bad, but I mean, he's, he's, he's backed himself in the corner. I mean, I don't know what you do, but you know, I just think about it. I mean, I believe in peaceful protest and I don't believe in all these mandates and all this. I believe in, ability of peaceful protest but at the same time you can't let people stop 
travel and commerce, you know, blocking bridges, streets. I mean, I don't, I don't care who's doing the protesting. Um, but what are you going to do? How are you going to get rid of them? You sure are not going to get it stopped peacefully without doing, to your point, hey, you got three or four leaders, let's sit down and talk about it instead of just with more and more threats. Yeah. Because these guys, I mean, these guys, truckers, uh, I mean, they're not uh, <laughs> they're not wimpy guys. I mean, they're, they, they keep getting pushed back. They say, by God, we'll stay here till hell freezes over. Interestingly, uh, according to a new Rasmussen survey, a majority of Americans support the Freedom Convoy of truckers who are protesting the mandates up there. A national telephone online survey of Rasmussen finds that 59% of likely U.S. voters support the Canadian trucker protest, including 42 who strongly support the Freedom Convoy. 33% of voters oppose the trucker protest. So the majority, I mean, it, it, now it's even stronger up in Canada. Mm-hmm. These are just Americans that are taking a look at it. 561-8255. Who we got? Uh, Grady. Grady is on the line. Hey, Grady, got just a couple of minutes, but good to hear from you. Oh, Grady, don't hang up. Don't walk in the you door and then turn around and shut the door on us. Come said, on, Grady. Yeah, he had a prof- I could just feel like he had a profound statement he was going to make. So um, I didn't get really a chance to talk to you. Yes. Well, you were not with us yesterday because you were working on taxes for numerous folks. But um, your your thoughts on uh, the Durham story? Well, you know, you, you hear the left talk about, hey, you know, it's a political witch hunt. I mean, I heard Adam Schiff today say it was a political <laughs> witch hunt. I mean, he's another one. If you listen to anything that comes out of his mouth, you, there's something wrong with you. But In his case, it's a warlock hunt. But, you know, uh, I think at this point in the last two years, I think Durham has spent under $4 million right. on this yeah. investigation. 10% of what Mueller And it was spent. about $40 million for Mueller yeah. That yeah. Had, or Mueller that didn't have anything, that nothing came out of it. So I I don't know Durham from from what everybody says about Durham I mean he's a he's a you know by the book type guy and uh, so there's there must be some there there and he wouldn't bring charges if it wasn't things there it's just amazing to me how all of a sudden Hillary was kind of out in front on so many things here lately and everybody was rumblings about she getting back in the race for 2024 she's, she's done now quiet. She, she's, <laughs> she's done quiet. now <laughs> and and. Uh, we we talked at the break. A part of me says, uh, "Hmm, what if the Democrats were behind this? Maybe they're trying to get Hillary to run run to away and hide, completely get rid of her." Now it's pretty obvious they want to get rid of Joe, and they. I mean, who who's their who's their go to? I mean, we're we're talking about the squad and AOC. You said earlier was the face of the squad. Who's their go to? They're either old white goats, male and female. Uh, they're all liberal. They've been there forever. I mean, as, as you also said, well, they're nuts. I mean, they're yeah. just plain nuts. Yeah, you know. So who do they go to? Who do they go to? Frankly, the only person that they could go to, and they won't, because he's not carrying the water for him, is somebody like Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know that he wants it, but no, no, no. The party is too progressive now. I mean, they they have already indicated that. Uh, I think Hakeem Jeffries is their next guy. Yeah. I mean, they're they're talking he's about. He's a nut. He's a yeah. lefty. Oh, he's just a progressive that's controlled by the normal progressives. But they're talking about he might be the next uh, speaker of the house if they maintain control, which isn't going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. No, but, I don't think uh, so. And you know, it's it's interesting. The the whole Durham report right now coming out at a time where the Democrats really need some good news. Now, granted, the Democrats don't even know that the Durham report is out there because. Mm. Nobody on the left is even 
they're not uttering a word about it. They're just going to hope it goes away, which it won't. Well, Clark, Clark what is it uh, Trump should say? We need her uh, told you so. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to run. Like we'll do it again tomorrow. Right? See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.